0: This is church! My family is crazy! Yes! My man! I identify with that. My family is crazy. Uh, So, you're going to hear a lot in the next uh, several weeks through the summer as we theme on Summer Fun. What that means for us here uh, is basically a a teaching series, pausing Luke, but doing a teaching series on what uh, the Scripture teaches about family... Life, and, 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 and I don't mean, well I'll get to that in a second, in, in relationships, okay? So when I say my people, your people, I'm talking about mom, dad, brother, sister, neighbor, coworker, friend stranger, enemy, your people. When I say your people that's what I'm referring to. When I say family I'm not just talking about your mom and dad and just the people in your home. I'm talking about your people. So keep that in mind. But my family specifically is crazy. Um, My uh, uh, my wife's Canadian. Uh, I can stop there, right? Uh, People always ask from around here, like, where, where did you guys meet? They're like, you know, thinking it's Buffalo, or since we're near, near the, the, the top hat for United States of America, which is Canada. Since we're near there, they're like, did you guys meet up here? And then we're like, no, we met in Florida, actually. Um, but, uh, oh, we have some more Canadians here. This is great. Not, did you really? That's great. Hey, if you ever want to meet a Canadian bride or groom, go to Florida. All right? Just, uh, just so you know. Apparently, apparently that's where. Maybe, maybe Canadians were confused. They, they're like, where does this America start? Like, and they get to Florida, and they get there, and they're like, oh, it's the beach. I must have gone too far. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. <laughs> see, see, my family's crazy. Uh, my wife's Canadian. And she's amazing. If you've talked to her. You understand that, that as, when you put two people together, whether it's you and a coworker, you and a business partner, you and a, uh, a husband or wife, you and, and somebody, there, there's like some friction that happens because they're crazy, right? And they're always the crazy ones, not, not us. Like, they're always the problem, not us, right? So, I love my wife. She's so awesome. But like, when we first got married and... Uh, in fact, when we first were dating, it was just amazing. There was a language barrier. Um, <laughs> she she had a Canadian dialect, and since I was from uh, Southern Illinois, which is basically the border of Kentucky, uh, there was o- there was some obvious language barriers there as well. But in that, in our families coming together, there was, needless to say, some some differences of how things worked. And and even now, like. My family is is crazy we have uh, uh, three boys and and um, they're crazy I mean we're to the point where where these three boys they, 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 they yell at each other they beat each other up they fling pig poo over each other. They, they fight about everything. They stick things in their nose to where literally you have to go to the emergency room to get it out of their nose. And then we find out after that intense process, months later, it's still in their nose because there's green things. I wish Pastor Ben was here because we're talking about noses. Um green stuff comes out of the nose and then one day this child of ours sneezes and out comes what's been in there for months and 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 all that my family's crazy and then we had this beautiful little girl which which after these boys it's supposed to be like all right she's supposed to be calm and sweet and put together and if you know her and I'm seeing why you're laughing because she is the boss and she runs the universe she thinks and then recently we found out that unbeknownst to our planning um, baby Eric number five is on its way yeah so how does this keep happening I don't know <laughs> I- yeah yeah so uh but we're crazy um there's a lot of love there's a lot of yelling there's a lot of uh insanity if you most of you i'm sure have been to my house you've seen that that chaos but our family's crazy um but we love each other those are our people you guys are our family you're our people this city is our family it's our people this country Is our family, it's our people. And so when we talk about relationships, we do not get to build walls. We do not get to say because of color or socioeconomics or upbringing or whether you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan or not, we can get over that, all right? We can settle our differences. We can agree to disagree. No, whether you're whatever it may be, we do not get to build walls of them and us. Period. Period. And so obviously this is arguable when you're considering wars and the countries. We're not, you're not a country. You're a person. And God has called us to make a difference. So so this is the phrase, if you're taking notes, that keeps coming in my mind in, in regards to relationship, in regards to summer fun. What God wants to do to the people will happen through his people. What God wants to do to the people will happen through his people. This is a beautiful thing called love 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 nothing else in this world has taken more out of context than love we use the word love for how i feel about peanut butter and jelly how i feel about certain things and the same word we use that we love our children or we love god god defines love pretty stinking clearly and so we see that. If you're still in 1 John 4, we're going to park there for today. Today's kind of an overview of where we're headed this um, summer. Oh, uh, an overview of, of, of the, the gist of, of what God's love is and how he ultimately is inviting you to the table. He's inviting you to come dine. He's inviting you to come be filled He's inviting you to come experience all that he is. He's inviting you to literally have an eyeball to eyeball, a knee to knee, a toe to toe with almighty God. Because all that he has, he wants to give you. And all that he is, he wants to live through you. This is a beautiful thing called love. It happened through love of the son of Jesus, his son, Jesus Christ. It happens through the Holy Spirit. In our lives flowing through us and ultimately the plan of Almighty God the Father and so let's look at this in verse 9 we're gonna pick it back up we read quite a big section I know probably half of you missed it um, that weren't here at 10 um, but the rest of you welcome all right (laughs) I love you I promise it's cool just pass the tardy sauce Um, No, it's cool. Uh, Verse 9, it says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. It's Verse 10, In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. He's loved us. This establishes the foundation of how we worship God. This establishes the foundation of how we love others. This establishes the foundation of how we view ourselves. It has everything to do with those three areas. So in Summer Fun, our theme every week, it around one piece. Every week this table will look different. Every week this table will have a different emphasis on what this actually means. But everything that we do this summer in relationship will have everything to do with my God, myself, and my people, okay? My God, myself, and my people. This is the heart of conduit. This was the, the desire and the vision since day one. Was that because of God's love and me receiving God's love and this vertical thing happening that now conduit can be a conduit to love others. That's a beautiful picture of the gospel. My God, myself, and my people. And here's the thing. It's for his glory, for our joy, and for their behalf. His glory, our joy, and his behalf. This is the reason that we exist. This is the reason that that I hoping to exist. It's my aim. I missed the mark quite a bit. Ask my crazy family. But it's my aim is that they feel loved, and that I I exemplify love. Now today you're here. Um, maybe from different backgrounds, experiences. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe it's your hundredth time here. Um, and I just want you to know before you leave you got to understand, regardless of what you've done, who you are, what you said, where you're at, that God loves you, that he's made a way for you, and that way is freedom. That way is hope. That way is truth. That way is through his word knowing that he has not just a plan for you, but he's got a mission for you. He's got a purpose for you. He didn't want you just to receive that love of God. He wants it to flow through you so that you can look at all the relationships of your people in your life. A spouse, a brother, a son, a sister, a coworker, a neighbor, an enemy. A relationship is a powerful thing. As I mentioned, I married a Canadian. As we put our two families together, there were some different uh, were uh, language barrier dialects. In fact, um, I laugh because um, one of the, you discover, how many have been married more than 10 years? Okay, you probably are still discovering things about your spouse. Um, one of the greatest things to discover about my wife is new Canadian words. Um, my th- I'll share with you a couple, is that okay? You're my witness, she said, she nodded yes, so I can't get in trouble when I get home, all right? Um, so my, one of my favorite was, we were sitting on the couch, um, first year of our marriage, watching television with the bunny ear antenna things, and, uh, and all of a sudden she called the couch a Chesterfield. Apparently, that's what they call it in Canada, which I did not know, and I wish we had this conversation before we got married, but I figured it was probably too late at that point if you're going to call the couch a Chesterfield. And then, not too much further later, she called, she asked me to pass the remote, but she did not call it a remote. She called it a, Do you want to say it? (laughs) She called it a converter. That's awesome. Seriously, Canada, that's amazing. A converter, yeah. So, in all these language barriers, there's also other bar- other barriers, or I don't say barriers, differences like currency. If you go to Canada right now with your money, chances are, unless you go to Tim Hortons, um, they're not going to want your money. They're not going to want your currency. The currency is different. And if they come here, unless they go to Tim Hortons or some other Canadian-born thing. Uh they're not going to want their money here. It's a different currency. Now, I say all that to say this. That relationship is the currency for change. Relationship is the currency for change. Has a relationship ever changed you? Raise your hand if a relationship has changed you. Now, immediately I know where you're going. Yeah, it's changed me. Like, a lot of hurt, a lot of wounds, a lot of black eyes, a lot of dark days, a lot of despair. How many of you have been hurt by a relationship so deep that you can't even describe it? Today is for you. Today is the day where you allow God by your complete humility, by your complete surrender, and by his gentle embrace where he can fill and meet that need of love, that hole that that, that somebody ripped from you. He wants to replace that with all that he is, all that he has. And I know it's not um, that easy, but I know it's simple. It's a simple thing his love is and so when we cross this barrier and we we decide to live for christ we decide to by faith believe what he's done for us is enough we have to allow it to get to those areas where relationship has wounded how many of you have been changed by a relationship in a positive way hopefully that's everybody at some point and i don't mean relationship necessarily a dating relationship it could be a friend it could be a coworker, it could be a coach it could be a pastor it could be a, Anybody that has has literally, like we've talked about before, has, has encouraged you, has injected courage into your life, and you've moved forward, and you're a better person, and you're a better father, and you're a better entrepreneur, you're a better whatever it may be because of that person. Relationship is the currency for change. Ultimately, God invented that. God created relationship. This was his idea, and he wanted to change us. He wanted us to experience what him and the Holy Spirit and the the son Jesus had. Relationship, that perfect unity. And so he decided to make us. And when we messed it up, he decided to use relationship to bring change. Um... So before we go any further, I want you to think in your life, what relationship do you have right now? Is God asking you to, through his power, all his power, all his strength, all his love, he's asking you to help change someone's life? Who is that for you? who is that so god in perfect community god the father god the son and god the holy spirit eternal forever eternal forever has always been has and always will be god the father god the son and god the holy spirit have this have had and do have this amazing relationship, this amazing community between themselves. It's this beautiful, humble, powerful, loving relationship. And this is the greatest part about it, is that if you go back to Genesis, you go back to the beginning, it, it's, it's God saying to them, let us make man. So he made the the moon and the stars and the water and the sun and the world and the trees and the plants and the animals and the fish and the birds. He made all that. And then he said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. Why? So that he could have a relationship with us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They weren't like lonely and they, they needed to create us to fulfill some need, but at the same time, they craved and desired for us to have that same unity, that same perfect community that they had. That is the big picture. That's what God's trying to do. So in all the brokenness and all the things that, that bring us down and put us in despair, know that the big picture of what God is trying to do is he's trying to bring everything back to what he originally created, which was perfect community, perfect Relationship. And he put Adam and Eve in the garden. He made man and he made woman, right? And he put them together and he put them in the garden. And everything was perfect, literally. Perfect communion between them two. Perfect communion with God. They had horizontal unity, perfection, community. They had vertical community, perfection, unity. They had it all. And God didn't make a robot to just walk around and do what, exactly what they were programmed to do. God gave them a choice, and that choice separated them from God. That, that holy God and sinful man situation broke when we decided to stiff arm God and say, We're going to do what you've asked us not to do. You see, unity breaks when that happens community broke when that happened. And it's not the wrongs we do, it's what we do about our wrongs. It's how we address them, It's how we deal with them. What did Adam and Eve do? They ran and they hid. And so then what happened from day one, like literally in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 and Genesis and that whole progress there, as soon as everything broke, as soon as everything was fractured between a holy God and sinful man, sin had entered the world. But as soon as it happened, God had a plan. And his plan is the same then as it is now. Is that we will be brought back to ultimate Community, ultimate perfection, ultimate unity forever and ever and ever and ever with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God's plan was, you know what, the way that we're going to remedy this, the way that we're going to chase after these people is I will send my son as the chaser. He will go. He will live. He will become one of them. He will die on a cross, blameless, perfect spotless for the punishment and the sins of how the entire planet has stiff-armed God and in his death our sin dies and in his life three days later we arise that is hope, friends that's where we get to jump in that's where we get to receive the love of Christ that's where we get to receive the love of God. And on this earth, we get to experience that community, that perfect unity with Christ. So you say, okay, if if this book, if this book is supposed to explain what you're just now telling me, Pastor Corey, then why is it, then why is it the the, the Old Testament, and then the New Testament. Because the Old Testament talks a lot about, well, like the way we get to, to like perfection and holiness and all that is through the law. It's through, don't do this, do this. Don't do that, do this. Stop doing that. Don't even think that. Don't even look. Don't, do this. If you look at the whole purpose the whole reason of the entire law. Do you know what the point was? The point was to show us that we couldn't do it. It was a point that took a while, but it was to show us that we couldn't do it. It was to say that it was completely impossible. It was like a... um, I'm sure you other experienced and legit farmers would be able to explain it better than I would. but the gates that go that you would take cattle through, that literally you direct them the direction you want them to go and eventually get to the stall or the truck or the whatever it is, that was the point of the law. It was to get, yes, it was strict. Yes, it was specific. Yes, it was very harsh walls. But the whole point was to get us to something. The point of the law. Did you know that there were 613 laws in the Old Testament? Yeah. And we've all missed them. We've all, even even today, we probably hit 386 of them, right? We've completely missed the boat. And even in this day, in 2015, people miss the boat. And they think that it's about the law. They think it's about that we were supposed to fulfill this. Don't do that, do that, don't do do that, give here, give there, sit there, do that. And that's not the point. The whole point was to drive us to Jesus. Was to drive us to the Messiah. People say, like, how does somebody, um, how does how does one get to be saved and go to heaven when they before Jesus came? The same way that you and I do. We believe that the Messiah had come 2,000 years ago, and all they were supposed to do was believe in faith that the Messiah was coming. That yes, this law thing was a temporary fix to the ultimate and perfect and forever example, the Messiah coming to save us from our sins, the ultimate sacrifice. Do you get where I'm going here? And so the law was not supposed to create that. And so what happened was, and I love this book, the Bible is all about relationships. From day one, through eternity, the eternity past, through eternity future, it's all about relationships. And then Jesus shows up, <laughs> and what did they do? What did all the religious, the pastors, the priests, everybody? They cornered Jesus and they backed him in. And they said, "Okay, of the six hundred and thirteen laws." which is really just commentary on the Ten Commandments. This is narrowed down the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What is the most important thing? And I love that Jesus did not go into this long explanation and go into this long 30-step process. He literally flipped the world upside down By identifying what these, the most and greatest commandment was in four words essentially Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love wins. Love wins. Hashtag love wins. And many of you are looking at me right now wondering where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> Maybe <after> six. <laughs> um, God defines love. Now, what Jesus did not do, he was not vague. He didn't take 613, or the, or the Ten Commandments, he did not take it and say, those don't matter. What he said was this was, is, and will be the point. Love God, love people. The entire law, the entire process of looking for the Messiah to come save us from our sins and believing for us the Messiah has come and he's died for our sins and us believing in him gets, uh, gives us eternal life. That whole reason was that love covers everything loving God and loving people. Jesus was not vague. Let me illustrate. How many of you grew up in neighborhoods where your mom and dad were like, okay, be home by dark? Anybody like that? Okay. Now, this was, um, I'll be honest, I pushed the line a little bit, but mom and dad were not being vague. They were just being simple. They, They weren't waiting for you to, ...to push the line one way or the other. They were being simply explanatory and just saying, be home by dark. See, Jesus was not being vague, he was being simple. See, Jesus in that moment was not like, well, when the sun hits this degree and this degree and, and all these said, love God, love people, everything flows from that. Everything comes from that. And this whole idea of what love is is not this cheesy, hippie idea. And we talk about love a lot. This is not some whatever you feel is right. Whatever in the moment that's in, that you in your impulse and your emotion feels, that's love. no. Jesus is specific. God is specific. Even the very meaning of this love that it's talking about, the word is agape. It's a perfect love. What is this love that we talk about? Loving God, loving people. Like, what is this idea? It's, it's agape. This is, this is the definition. That it's not based on impulse. That it's not based on emotion. And it's complete, consuming, consuming. Care for the one that's loved, irregardless. Do you hear that? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves in prayer, pray, then I will heal them, heal their land, forgive their sins kind of feel like the last couple days Christians have missed the boat. We've taken what God had meant for us and we tried to tack it on to some political leader. Some political group. And all of a sudden there's this sad face on Christianity which is ridiculous. Whenever have we as followers of Jesus, needed, had, or, or desired the government's stamp of approval on what the Word says. And so this is not a time for us to hang our heads. This is not a time for us to, oh, crap. This is not a time for us to say, God, do you not see this? No, no, no. He's saying, My people. My people we are called by my name, will humble themselves. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's not looking for the picketer. He's looking for the lover. He's looking for those rolling up their sleeves. He's looking for those that are willing to show up and love over 800 people in a podunk little park on the north side of Jamestown on a busy night. He's looking for, for uh, women who are uh, <laughs> seasoned to stand for two hours straight in their back, to be so sore, standing in front of a bounce house, seeing kids' eyes light up because no one else gives a rip about them. But we do. He's looking for people that would receive them regardless of their race or sexual preference. He's looking for people that will stand in truth, believe it is truth, know it is truth, live it as truth, but love it knowing that they may not know the truth yet. And we miss the boat when we start pointing at, I wasn't even supposed to talk about this. Um, we miss the boat when we start saying that this, this, this is for someone else. No, 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 no. My God, myself, my people. It's got to be for his glory, for my joy, and for their behalf. It's not backwards. If they just would fix themselves, if my boss would just get his head out of the sand, If my wife would, not my wife, but she's great. If, If my spouse would just get a clue. If my sister would just be honest. If my brother, if my neighbor would mow his stinking lawn. If my this or this or this. It's not. You worry about you and watch what God does. You worry about you and watch what God does. Relationship is the currency for change. How many of you have ever had a teacher, a coach, a mom or a dad possibly that wanted you to change but didn't have a relationship with you? And so there seemed to be this wall. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. But then all of a sudden, here comes a coach, a teacher, a mentor, a pastor that's saying the same thing that mom and dad are saying or the same thing, but yet they're loving they're not grabbing you by the helmet and screaming in your face they're putting their arm around your shoulder and they're praying you through they're showing you the way the truth the life which is Jesus Christ they're showing you that there is a hope friends we got some work to do I'm here to give you hope I'm here to give you courage that we know who wins we know who's sovereign we know what love is and it's time to get to work um, so many things so many things for my God, myself and my people how to treat people is at the center of Jesus' teaching Jesus talks about how to treat people more than he talks about anything Jesus talks about money a lot talks about hell a lot. He talks about his father a lot. He talks about love and how to treat people the most. This book, biblical scholars would agree from centuries ago, this book is all about relationship because it's a love letter from a God who's all about relationship. So, So just pause for a moment. I wrote this down. I want to make sure that I say this right. Because of what God is to us. Jesus died so that we could once again enter that perfect community. And here's the point. We are incapable to love others if we don't receive God's love. We're incapable to truly love others if we've not received God's love. Agape love, perfect love. It's not based on how I feel in the moment. It's not impulsive. It's not emotion. It's based on perfect love, which only comes from a perfect, holy God. And it's not through well, you. If you do this, and if you love this way, and you and you and you believe this way, and you stress this way, and you do this, then then I can love you. Jesus. In fact, Jesus says, love your enemies. Love your brother. He goes from one extreme to the other. So who right now, just a a reflective question, just like who right now, if they were to walk in the back door and come sit on the front pew, your stomach would drop? Because the relationship, there's a wall. And maybe it's, maybe it's you've tried, and that's, that's what you can do. You can love, you can forgive, you can hope for that person, you can communicate that. But who would it be for you if, if they called your phone right now that you'd hit decline so fast and your stomach would drop because you can't do that? We, we need to, to literally, before we come, and we, as it talks about, like worshiping God, if we've got a fence with our brother, we got to drop what we got. We got to go fix that. We don't have to fix them, but we got to fix our part. We got to own what we did. We got to, in humility, just have a hope for them. This is the, on their behalf, not ours. This requires and can't have any ingredient of pride. And it's like a whole heap load of humility. And a whole heap load of this is hard work. How many of you have been in that spot where you just, even though you were maybe 5% of the problem, you just said, I'm sorry. That's hard, isn't it? But God wants us in that spot because God has a hope and a plan for that person. And shame on me Shame on us if we're in the way. Shame on us if there's a clog in the conduit because of us. So let's do what we can to own what we can to love. Agape, perfect love. Because ultimately, God is asking us, He's inviting you to the table. So at this table, You will experience what God the Father, what God the Son, and what God the Holy Spirit wants to give you. You will experience the unity that they have. The relationship that's currency will change your life. The relationship that's currency will change your life. When you are eye to eye, knee to knee, toe to toe with Almighty God, the sacrifice, the presence of Jesus, and the filling of the Holy Spirit, you will have all that you ever need, want, and desire. You will be filled with joy. You will be filled with peace. You will be filled with hope because of what God has brought. We got to, this is not a potluck dinner. We got to stop bringing the crumbs of the world to dinner with God. We got to stop bringing our sweet little pretty jello salad dish that we can make so great to bring to God. It's rubbish. We've got to come surrendered empty-handed because there's nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. If you've never heard this before, I'm speaking right to you. This could be your day to literally, you've got, you don't have to sign up and jump through a bunch of hoops. This is your day to literally walk up and to sit in the seat that God, God's son Jesus is pulling out for you to sit. The Holy Spirit is creating this environment for true unity and true hope and true power and supernatural growth. And through relationship, changes happening so that you can ultimately have a way to the Father. You can have a path straight to the Father. Jesus has cleared the way. The Holy Spirit has made the way. And God the Father is standing ready to receive you in love. He's not chasing you to beat you up. He's pursuing you to love you. And if you've never received that, I want to invite you in a moment to come forward. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to introduce you to this man named Jesus, who is my God, my Savior, my King. And he is God's representative. He's God of the skin so that you would know Jesus, so that you would know God, the Father, and that the Holy Spirit can fill you and live through you, and supernaturally, through relationship, change everything for his glory, my joy, and for their behalf. So let's talk about the, in closing, the, uh, the best part. You're probably wondering why I haven't talked about this yet. Um, The last few weeks here at Conduit have been pretty crazy, Um, crazy awesome. And um, uh, we have been, as you can probably see all over town, and we've been blasting it everywhere, that we're doing these three events that are called I Am Loved events. We want our city to know that they're loved. We want them to know that we care and we have a hope for them. And it's not some grand plan that we have for them and hoops to jump through. It's God's plan. He's gone before us, and his hand is on all of this. And so we had our first one on Friday night. And counting all the volunteers, there were over 800 people. Amen. Amen? (laughs) Right on! 800 people in this little podunk park that the people that lived there didn't even know the name of it. They had three different names of it for it. So many comments and, and whoa, really? There? Yeah, really, there. You, you ever had that? Like, maybe God said that with you. People were like, oh, really, them? Yeah, you. God made that. And God made these beautiful, beautiful people who, who may not have acted the best, (laughs) who may not have behaved the best, who may not have left the dunk tank alone and kept hitting the button and knocking all the people in, who may have not said please or thank you or anything in return. They came in empty and they left full. They came in sad and they left happy. They came in wondering what will this summer be about other than rain and one beautiful moment God clears the sky on a beautiful day and people got loved on and this was so much fun so much fun like seeing the smiles on the kids faces and these parents that were like hesitant I loved watching specifically a few individuals that were outside of the fence they were kind of looking in the street I look over a few minutes later and they're now they're on the fence And then a few minutes later, somehow, someway, they came through the gate, and now they're on the inside of the fence. And I wanted so bad to walk over and tell them how they can be the very inner circle of everything that's happening, that they are so welcome to be here. And we're so honored that they're there. There was so much fun. There was these crazy guys drumming on garbage cans and having battles between each other there was there was minute to win a games there was there was this legendary band called hot coffee that was there (laughs) there was so much fun happening there was so many like entertainment things happening through the kids and the families and the best part was not the best part well one of the best parts there's so many best parts the best best part is seeing the look on all of your faces as you served these people you were smiling you were full of joy and full of light and you were working together and you worked your tail off and this was beyond a team effort it was such a beautiful beautiful thing, and it wasn't even that stressful or that crazy. It was almost as if God had his hand on everything. Now, why did he do that? Because he wanted over 800 people to know that we're here and that we're there to love and that God has a plan for them and that we're not done yet. A couple people have been saying in conversation, so, like, did you guys, did you guys get up and do, like, a 20-minute sermon or, like, did you... What did you like? Did you give them some tracks? Or like, what was the deal? And like, now I understand a little bit of this is experimentation, right? Um, but our heart and our desire was something greater, something deeper. This was our opportunity to say, "Hello, North Side of Jamestown. We are conduit. We love you. We'll be back. We're planting seeds, not just in the kids." but we're planting seeds specifically in the north side. We would love in the next 18 months to launch another Conduit location on the north side of Jamestown. So this was not us saying, hey, we love you, bye. This was us saying, hi, if you haven't heard of us, our name is Conduit. We're one of of many great churches in the city. And we love you. In fact, we put our hands together with several other churches, and we are here to say that you are loved. Yes, there were conversations about Jesus. Yes, there was prayer happening. Yes, there was hope happening. Yes, I see new faces here because of it. You are so welcome to be here. We are so glad that you are here. That was the point, was that you are loved. And the bait and switch was nothing but the love of God, that agape love, that that not impulsive love, not that obligated love, but this purposeful, expecting nothing in return, but hoping for everything in return kind of love. The thing that God invites us to at the table kind of love. He comes, he asks us to come and sit and dine and he gives us everything. He allows us to inherit everything that, that Jesus the Son willingly gives and shares. And he expects nothing in return. But as sovereign as he is, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And at the table that he invites us to, He doesn't expect us to eat this and eat all our potatoes and eat all this and all that. He's desiring greatly that we'll receive all that he has to give. And so that someday for eternity, we will dine with Almighty God. And in this moment, and in through these experiences like I am loved, and in this family and through our people at Conduit in this city, that we would experience what true love, true hope, true peace is. And it's expecting nothing in return but just loving. Because guess what? That works better anyways. Better than standing up for 20 minutes. Better than standing on the corner and preaching. Better than some track that we can hand them. Now, relationship has been established. Because relationship is the currency for change. Do we want them to change? Yes. That change is forgiveness. That change is to have a hope. That change is to have a confidence that they can now boldly approach through prayer. The God of this universe, through Jesus Christ, that's the confidence, and they can have that because we handed that to them. My God, myself, my people, his glory, my joy on their behalf. Conduit. Relationship started. Um, I wish so bad that I could... Um, pass around the microphone and just say what did you see tell me what you saw um, <laughs> because I think we'd be here for a while first of all and I think um, when we invite those to the table they get to experience what we get to experience so if we're experiencing joy and serving joy is contagious if we're feeling loved they're gonna feel loved if we're gonna be full of hope they'll experience hope it's a beautiful thing and I love to hear the different stories I think uh, one of the highlights for me was um, this uh, um, this fa- this family uh, <laughs> It was one during one of like the kids dances and they were going crazy and it was this this gentleman who uh, <laughs> he had one of those those bouncy balloons he had one of those in his mouth for some reason And this is a guy like my age, and he was with his wife or girlfriend, I'm not sure, um, and then there's a couple kids. There's one kid in the stroller that this guy is pushing. And so he's entering into, like, the dance circle in front of the stage where these kids are, are dancing to, like, Hillsong Young or Free or something. And, and as every, all these kids are jumping around dancing, here comes this dad with the balloon in his mouth, and he's, like, trying to bounce it back and forth, and he's pushing the stroller. And, like, he's, he gets so lost in joy and dancing, he literally lets go of the stroller. And he just keeps dancing like this. And this baby's like... And then, and then it hits, and then it hits the, the mom or the girlfriend like literally like, nails her right in the legs. And, she, instead, like, and if they were walking on the street or the Walmart or anything, they would have been like, what? You? You know, like, they would have been crazy, but her response was this. She was like, ah! <laughs> like, she just thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing. Like it was so full of joy in that moment that they had a peace and a joy and a hope. And ultimately we know, and they know, they know that some electrical company did not put on some big party on the north side of Jamestown. They know because it's blasted all over that goofy, ridiculous truck out there. They know because they had encounters with you. They know that when they walked in, they were literally stamped with, I am loved." They came in knowing, experiencing, seeing, and I can guarantee, and I hope you will be too, will be at another event where they'll experience that they are loved again. And then they'll experience another event that they're loved again. And then hopefully they come to a point, whether it's through conduit or some other crazy plan that God has, that they'll experience true love, which is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is chasing them. He's pursuing them. He's coming after them. So, number one highlight, (laughs) Um, (laughs) so uh, this was a humbling experience, but uh, an interesting one I'll never forget. Um, So, if we're Facebook friends, a couple months ago, uh, I put something on there about my experience at the library. And uh, what had happened was one day, I had to drop my car off at, um, uh, uh, to fix my car down on, on Fluvanna Avenue. And I had a lot of studying to do. I think I could make it all the way here without having a heart attack. So I walked halfway here, which was to the library. So I got there, spent a couple hours studying. And that, while I'm sitting there, I noticed that, that there was, um, there was this, this dude that kept twice. He came around the corner. I was back in the top of the library. And he came around the corner, and he kind of, was like suspiciously checking on me. Which, I mean, I could have taken him, I guess. But like, I thought maybe in the library is not the place to do it. Should I have said that? No. I don't know. I got that look. So, so he did it twice, and I didn't really think anything of it. And um, I had parked my bike right outside the front of the library. And um, a couple hours later, I went out, and my bike is gone, gone. seriously why didn't you bring your lot Corey (laughs) prepared something and then I'm like Jamestown come on like I literally do you know what I was doing for those two hours this is and it's just hitting me I didn't say this last night I was in there planning this event thinking how we could love the city thinking how specifically that this is going to follow through and how it's gonna happen right And trying to find all kinds of other people that could lead this and do it way better than I ever could and I walk out that was my first thought really really God now I got to walk back to Flavanna Avenue now my bike's gone I'm in there trying to help the city and now the city stole my bike (laughs) have you been there like it was a lot of conversation about how bad this city is has been or is going right but then there's this moment where God shines the light on us. He's like, yo, you're filled with Jesus. This is your job. His power, but our job. We're the conduit. So I um, go back and tell the per- people at the office, I'll let you know. And I didn't want the whole, you should have brought your like your, your, um, your lock lecture. So I was like, hey, my bike got stolen, and then I walked out. Um, I did get a lecture anyways. But I started walking down Fluvanna Avenue, and... Um, I got tired, so I went into 50's Diner and got something to drink, used the restroom, and I walked out. And um, uh, I began to walk back to Fulvaina Avenue. It's about halfway. And um, um, my favorite part about this whole story was the next Sunday. This is a couple months ago, so the next Sunday, seeing Rose come up to me, and she's like... (laughs) She's like, I saw you walking, and then I saw you running. Why? (laughs) (laughs) The opposite direction. So, <laughs> so I'm walking, I'm walking, and I'm, like, still upset about this. Um, and then all of a sudden these two guys ride their bike right past me. And as soon as they passed me they're on the other side of the road um, on Washington Street, and I realized, you know what, Corey, you didn't even look and see if that was your bike. One, one in a million chance, right? I turned my head, and it's my broken mountain bike. This dude's riding my bike. And it was like one of those, are you serious? (laughs) Is this really happening right now? And so I'm like, like there's two thoughts here, right? There's where everybody commented and everybody yelled at me the next week, like why did you chase those guys? And then there's, that was one side and then there's the other side of like, yeah, there's two of them and they got my bike and, if they're willing to steal my bike, who knows what they're willing to do. And I probably should have chose wisdom on that. But I did not choose wisdom. <laughs> I'll, I'll blame it on God. But I chased after them. No, I'm just kidding. It's totally me. So I needed my bike back. So I was actually kind of curious. I'm just curious. Why would you take my bike? Bikes, yeah. Anyway, so I started going after these guys. And they didn't know I was chasing them. They go back behind this abandoned building. And it sounds a lot more shady than it really was, I promise. And when I go back there, I kind of peek around the thing. And they're trying to bury this bike. And I'm, I'm sure of it. It's my bike. They're trying to bury this bike in this ditch underneath this bush. And then I know it's my bike. And so then I had this, like, like dateline moment where I wanted to, like, I just walked up calmly, like, hey, guys. <laughs> and then I had this moment of, now what do I say? <laughs> And I'm like, how you guys doing? And they're like, they're just looking at me. And I said, Whose bike? And the, the kid says, it's my bike. Shoot, what am I going to say now? <laughs> so then I, I basically said, I said, all right, bud, we can, we can just end this right now. We can just get my bike back, and we can be done, and you can have a nice day. Is this your bike? Yeah, it's my bike. I'm like, okay, have a nice day. So I walked away. walked around the corner. And I did what all really brave tough guys do, is I called 911. (laughs) So by them seeing me on the phone, by them seeing me on the phone, they take off on bikes. I take off on foot. So the battle was not really fair from the beginning, but I took off on foot and I, and, I, and I literally ran after these guys and that was not a lot of fun, but I ran and I ran and I ran and I'm on the phone. They probably could barely understand me or whatever. And, and I was like impressed. The, the police were there within like two minutes, four of them actually circled in. And I remember the guys stopped back and back by the woods and they're telling me to come there. And I'm about hundred yards now and I'm like, no. And I said, one more time, I said, just drop the bike and go. And for some reason, they didn't. A few minutes later, police show up. Next thing you know, long story short, one of them's in the back of the police car, and I'm on my bike back to Fluviana Avenue to get my car. Okay. <laughs> God has a funny sense of humor. So I wasn't greeting much on um, Friday night at this event. But I walked over and I was holding my daughter. I happened to be there during this couple-minute increment when in walks in this guy, this kid, <laughs> and, and like, and I was fine. I got my bike back, and then I'm wondering like, is he gonna hurt me because he got in big trouble? And so I walk to him, and he he sees me, and I think he knew, and I walk right to him. And Gracie was there, and she was like, what was up with that after this was all done? And I just walk up to him, I shake my hand, I'm like, hey, bud, welcome, man. And he's like, and I was like, do you remember me? And he, I knew he knew, but he's like, no. Just like that. <laughs> Who does that, right? If someone says, do you remember them? They're like, no, how do I know? You? Instead of, no, like, I don't know you, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I was like, and I, it, I, I would have the same reaction. But I was like, yeah, you stole my bike, Remember? And as soon as, I, <laughs> soon as I said that, he was gone. Like, he started walking away real fast. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. I always say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And then I began to, ch- like, chase him again. <laughs> 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 but, not, did not, but not chase him, chase him, but just walk fast with my two-year-old daughter in hand, right? And I was like, hey, 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 man, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Hey, I just want you to know that I forgive you. And it's cool. And I just want you to know that I'm glad you're here and I hope you have a good time." And he's looking at me with like, like I had four eyes on my forehead. He, he was like so, he did not, not get it. And I went after him because I wanted him to know, and maybe I wanted myself to know, that, I mean, it really is a, is a bike, but I wanted him to know that there was no hard feelings and that he was loved. So. You are that dude. Jesus is chasing you. He's pursuing you. And he doesn't want his bike back. He wants you. He wants maybe what I should have done the first time around and just lit, and I didn't need an event to show this kid that he was loved. But God wants to show you that you are loved, and he's pursuing you, and he's chasing you, and he's calling out to you. And all he wants you to do is to drop it and to come to him. He wants you to receive it. He's not chasing you to hurt you. He's not chasing you to crunch you. He's not chasing you to to bring the law to force through the police, through consequence. He's chasing you because He's already paid the penalty for your sin. Like everything that you've done wrong, He's forgiving you. If you by faith believe that, if you by faith would just receive that. And so if you listen real close. You don't even realize that you're running. But you're running. If you listen real close, you don't realize that he's running after you. But you hear his footsteps. And all Jesus is chasing you down for is he wanted to let you know to come to the table with God. His daddy is a good, good man. Father. He wants to bring you to the table so that you can experience, so that Jesus can show you all that he experiences, which is true love. All that you've done, all that wrath, all the spankings, all the punishment that's poured out on you is not poured out on you anymore. It's poured out on Christ, and he's actually the one Chasing you he should be upset, but he's not he's filling that with love because it's done. It's finished And he's asking you to come to the table so I'm going to ask you to stand And I know that today Whether you're in a relationship a friendship any type of relationship that may be difficult And he's asking you to be love to that person. He's asking you to show not your political stance on some some Supreme Court decision. He's asking you to hang up Facebook, roll up your sleeves, show on the doorstep, and love that person. Show them love. Exemplify Christ. Exemplify the chase that you are forgiven, exemplify all that he is and wants you to know, wants you to be, which is through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, he's inviting you to this perfect relationship, this perfect community, he wants you to have that, and if you don't have that, I gently want to just invite you, if you want to talk about that, you need prayer, you need encouragement in that. This is the place to do it. If you come forward, you can kneel and you can pray and you can do business with God, so to speak. If you need prayer, there'll be people that join you and pray over you pray with you and just encourage you and let you know that, yes, we know this Jesus, but he's not just mine, he's ours. The gospel is for everybody. And so if you do not know the gospel, if you do not receive Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, to be saved from your sins, today can be your day, I want to invite you to do so. If you need prayer for anything, relationship, the hope that you have for others, this is the place to do it. So would you have the guts and the boldness and the humility to stop running and to lay it down and to surrender before Jesus. The author, the finisher, the perfecter of every part of faith. You have. You can't have.